Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to another healing conversation brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and today we are going to be talking about stepping into your power and really co-creating your life. My guest is Katie Manna Stanley. She is an intuitive counselor and creator of the seven layers of the self. It's an in-depth process that helps you unite your personality with your soul. She says that it rids yourself of any debris that keeps your dreams at arm's length. Does that sound familiar to any listeners today? Katie reaches deep into the wise well within you and helps you implement your spirit's insights fully into your life. So with that, I would like to welcome Katie. Thank you for joining us on Healing Conversations. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You have got some very fascinating things going on in your life. You're getting married shortly. That is a fascinating story of manifestation. So as we get to that story, give us a little background on yourself and how you created your program, The Seven Layers of the Self. Sure, I'd love to. The first part of it came really as I I was born clairvoyant, Um, so I've been an intuitive empath clairvoyant my whole life and you know I'd always notice these bands around people and for a long time I just made the assumption that they were the auric field or chakras or something that was just my rational thought and honestly didn't pay a whole lot of attention to them and then I went through a series of traumas I was actually sexually assaulted in a foreign country and within the same 12 months I lost a lifelong best friend a young man who I'd also dated, he was killed in a car accident. And then both of my grandparents died within four months of each other. And to say that I didn't have the tools to cope with that is just an understatement. And I turned very much to food and alcohol, to what I call now like those those buffer barriers that we create. And I, I turned to them for several years, and I had post-traumatic stress disorder and agoraphobia, and I pretty much lied in bed for two years and self-medicated. Um, so my, my weight ballooned to the tip the scales at 250. For me, that's quite a lot. I'm only 5'4", so you can understand how significant that is. And one day, quite literally, this is why my, my company is, this is the whole brand and platform, my, the lights went on for me. And it was this little moment that ended up being, it it was a spiritual awakening, which was obvious to me, but it was so, it seemed so small at the time that I didn't know that it was actually setting my entire life in motion. And so the lights went off and I went on this journey and I stopped literally from that minute on. I hadn't, I still have yet to touch a drop of alcohol. I stopped drinking I started working with my mind and my consciousness and sort of getting the help that I needed to rewire that part of myself. And from that, I wanted to take better care of my body. And 
at that point, I had already dropped about 60 pounds, not because I had been trying, but because I was so much more conscious and aware of my feelings that reaching for those things just wasn't so necessary. So I started paying attention to these things, therapy, working out. There was this part of me that just kept calling more and more into my spiritual self, and I, I finally really got the hint when I was 25, I had my first child, and I was already divorcing my first husband. And I thought, wow, you know, I've come really far to end up here. And I felt that inner nudge that a lot of people feel, and I knew that I needed to listen to this call. And so I started working with an intuitive healer myself and really diving into the spirit in me. And from that, um, my my intuition really blossomed again because it lied dormant for a while while I was self-medicating and there was a lot of stuff that I really shut off and that was a part of it. So it, it blossomed back and what I started to see was these bands around people that I had been seeing all along is what I now call the seven layers of the self and it was the exact process that I took in healing myself. And so, you know, it does include the mind, the body, and the spirit, but it also includes there's a joy level, and that's the innate peace that we're born with. I always see that coming from the center of the heart. There's also um, the emotional body, which I like to separate out or looks to me like it's separate because it sort of has an, uh, a life of its own sometimes. I think we can all relate to that. And then there's the enlightenment piece that I actually see around every person and that's sort of like that beautiful packaging of a present that's what with that that nice bow it's sort of what brings us all together and what i love about it is it totally not just suggests but it says that we all have enlightenment within us and it's just looking at where the tears are within these layers for me is very easy for me to spot um and and just just helping people mend those tears so that they can be a completely cohesive unit within their seven layers and really live from their joy and their enlightenment. When you say look at tears in the layers, do you see those or do people feel them and how do you mend them? That's a great question. I do see them. I see tears. I see leaks. I see where... Um, one's actually rather dull. There's all kinds of signals that I get because I do, I see them just like I would see a tree in front of me or my dog in front of me. Um, and so what those do, because they're in a specific layer, say the emotional layer, I see something. Well, I know that this has to deal with an emotional thing and I get pictures or I get sensations in my body that give me information about this person. Now, let me, can I give you one example of sort of what I, what I mean? Yes, please. Client. Okay. So there was a client who came to me who is um, a, it's very important to say, an incredibly wealthy woman, very well-known woman in her area, uh, going broke, just not even a part of her reality. Never going to be. You look at the paper, it's a no-brainer. But she has this horrific fear so much that her anxiety just goes through the roof every time her so-called competitor comes anywhere near her business. Now, let me tell you, the competitor is their closest competitor in this business. However, it still does maybe 25% of the business that these people are doing. So, so I'm just drawing that picture for you because it's obviously 
so irrational. It's just so irrational. And she can't understand where this is coming from. And so this is what led her to me. She wanted help with this anxiety that came up in her that just paralyzed her with fear and went into, so that was the emotional piece, but it also, the, the mental field, those two feed each other, you know, sometimes we're not conscious of the mental, so the emotional will be highlighted. So what happened for her was the emotional was highlighted for me first, and then it started a mental down spiral. And so she would have in her head, you know, she's broken on the streets with her kids, single mom, you know, just these horror stories she would tell herself. So she calls me, and she tells me her symptoms, and she can't understand, and immediately what I see within this emotional layer is this beautiful yellow room with a lot of sun cascading down, a rocking chair. I know she's four years old, and I see her parents having a horrible, horrible argument, and it seems to me that this argument is about her. And so I tell her what I'm seeing, and I ask her if she can tell me about that. And it happened to be a memory that she had really just put away. She said, oh, my God, yeah, that's when my parents were separating, and they were literally arguing like it was a competition about who was getting me. And I really felt like my life was on the line because one was of sound mind and the other one wasn't, and I didn't really know what was going to happen, and it got very violent. So as soon as as soon as she could plug back into that memory and we could talk her through a, that process of, okay, how does that represent, how do those feelings, how are they similar today? So as soon as people become very conscious of those things, it tends to be a lot easier to work on rewiring them so that when she would see the competitor, you know, the next day or the next week, she can say, okay, wait a minute. I'm aware of this now. This is not energy of the here and now. This is where I had plugged my circuits unknowingly into my four-year-old, and I was getting I was getting energy from there. So it's it's sort of bringing the soul fragments back and putting them in their place. So that that was all it took for her. We we talked about it. We worked with it. We worked on how she was going to cope with this in her life, and literally within a week, it was cleared up. Fine. It was all done. Isn't that amazing? It's so simple. It's not always easy to remember that. Right. You just yes. intuited that that had happened. That's amazing. Yep. I see it I see it very much as a movie and I also experience the feelings as they experience. As you know, when I was a little girl, I remember saying to my mom, "Why do I feel like I can step into people's bodies and I know what they're feeling?" And of course, she didn't have an answer for me. She was very supportive of me and my intuition, but she didn't have an answer. And so what I've come to realize is that that is really one of my greatest gifts when I'm working with people because I literally, I take their hand and I'm walking with them. I know what they're feeling. But because I know the difference, I can feel the distinction that it's not mine, I'm able to kind of point out these little nuances that sometimes are so unconscious within them that they can't point them out for themselves. So I become their observer and walk them into that in, so they can understand how to sort of wear the world with like a, a loose cloak, so to speak. So the seven layers of self, that's your program. And you're also the author of Daily Mana. Yes, that's actually my first book, so I'm very excited about that. And it's called um, Daily Mana, Your Guide to Life with the Lights on it. It was sort of birthed from my Facebook page. I just kind of thought a few years ago, well, let me start a Facebook page. I'll put up a daily quote. And, um, you know, that, that name became 
um, Daily Mana through my brilliant fiance who said, oh, this is a great title, and I thought, fantastic, you know. But everyone kept asking me for uh, a book, and I kept thinking, gosh, you know, I, how am I going to have time? What am I going to write about? Honestly, at the time, I, I still didn't feel ready to write a, a whole book on the seven layers of the self, which I'm actually working on right now, and that will be out in the spring. But I'll give you just an example. It's a day-by-day book, and each week has exercises for consciousness, and every day has um, just something to think about and then an affirmation. So um, one is um, the risks you are called to take do not have a guaranteed outcome. They do, however, promise greater experiences for your soul's evolution. In truth, there are no wrong turns. There is only the promise that you are always called to a higher ground and it's safe to walk there. Today's affirmation is, I am safe to experience. So that, it's things like that on each page. And every week, as I said, there, there are exercises that sort of go with that week's um, daily manas. You've got a fascinating story that I want you to share. You've made a move recently, and you mentioned your fiancé. Tell us that story of how you were on the East Coast and made it to the West Coast listening to your intuition. Yeah. About a year and a half ago, I was doing my normal morning meditation, and I saw this picture in in my third eye, and I knew intuitively that this was Southern California. San Diego is what was really highlighted for me. But I knew for sure it was San Diego or Southern California. And I knew also intuitively that this would be my next step. So I came out of my meditation and my, my, my logical mind was like all up in arms. Like this is preposterous. How would, how would that even work? You know, I have an eight-year-old um, obviously, at the time she was six, her father and I have been separated for a long time. We have a great relationship, but, you know, they're tight. I don't want to separate them. Just logistically, how does this work and what? So I know better than that, though. And so I said, okay, to the universe, I said, if you want me there, you put me there. If you can work out the details, I'm there. I'm totally there. So I knew at some point soon after that it was worth just asking my daughter's father if he was willing to or would be willing to move out to California, that I knew it was my next step for work and this is this something that he would entertain just going out there with us. And so I asked him and to my complete and utter shock, he said yes, <laughs> would be open to it, which if, if you knew him, you would understand what a big deal that was. So I thought, okay, you know, there's little miracle number one. So I I think I'm on to something here. And then I guess it was about two months after that maybe, I'm having another meditation, and I said, okay, you know, how am I going to afford this? You know, like I can pay my bills here. I'm doing fine. But moving cross-country is a a totally different ball of wax. Financially, there's a whole lot to it. Mm -hmm. So I said, how do I do this? Literally. An hour later, there was a painter coming to my house to paint the inside, and he said, I love your house. If you ever want to sell it, you just let me know. And I thought, oh, my God, okay, I need to sell my house. Now, he didn't end up being the guy who sold my house. I knew that he was simply a messenger, that it really was not necessarily about him. 
but that I needed to quick change my paint colors because if my house was going to be, you know, shown that I needed different colors, more neutral that people would be interested in. So I had him go out to the store and get these paint colors because my house was now going to be shown because it was going on the market. And um, around that time was when I joined an international networking group and ended up meeting this man named uh, David Stanley. And we had been in touch prior to meeting face-to-face, and I, quite frankly, I fell very much in love with him before meeting him. Um, But we had a lot of mutual friends, and we were very excited to meet at a CEO Space Forum, which was going to be that July. And we sat down together in the lobby for the first time, and I'm like all giddy and, you know, just looking at him and happy to see him in person for the first time. And he was living in Dallas. He grew up in Tennessee, and he said, so you're in Baltimore. My dad lived in Baltimore. I need to come out there to do some research for my next film project that I'm working on. And and I was like, yeah, I'm in Baltimore, but I'm moving to San Diego. So if you're visiting, you're going to, you know, you want to come out sooner rather than later because I'm not going to be there very long. And he said, oh, really? He said, I have to move to Southern California too. And we just looked at each other, and I'm thinking, what is up with this, you know, and all this time I have friends and family in Baltimore going, well, why are you moving to, why are you moving to California? I'm like, I don't know, there's just, there's a lot of stuff waiting for me out there, and they're like, well, what? And I'm like, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I just know there's a lot of stuff. I know that there's a lot that can happen for me out there. Um, so, you know, David ended up coming to Baltimore for a little while, and then he moved out to Los Angeles. And I really just felt the pull to San Diego. So I I was in San Diego, and he made plans to come out here, too. Obviously, we we knew at that point we were going to be together. And um, so my daughter's father did come with us, and he actually stayed with us for a couple of months, like within a month and a half in California, got a job, the one that he wanted, and the place I had a girlfriend where I said, you know, I need a, to find a place for him um, or, you, you know, like even a room rental situation temporarily would be fantastic as long as it's safe because my daughter has to be able to come there. And I happened to have a friend who lived in San Diego who rented her, a guest house from this fantastic uh, older couple who had a couple of rooms. They really screened the people that stayed there. There was a pool, dogs, I mean, in this great area. And um, it wasn't ready at the time, but literally the same day he got the call that he got this job, my girlfriend called me and said, hey, there's a room available. Does he still want the place? So there he moved, and everything has been falling into place miraculously ever since. Well, then that brings up another question. We've listened to your story, your logical mind was going crazy, and I think too many of us listen to that logical mind. seems like meditation is really the key. Absolutely. Meditation to me is everything. And, And the way I say this to the people I work with more often than not is, you shower every day, right? Yes. Well, why is that? Well, because I'm kind of icky from the day before. Right. So is the rest of you. (laughs) So if you can start treating meditation like it is your daily clearing, because it is, then you're really setting yourself up because we become such clear vessels for divine wisdom when we just take, even if it's 10 minutes in the morning, to clear ourselves. It makes all the difference. And And here's the thing, 
everybody has an intuition that talks to them. The people who meditate more are the ones who hear it more. And the people who really know that meditation is the pathway, they also have the self-esteem and the courage to back it up. And I think that's where the difference is, is we're not, most of us were not raised with like a soul level self-esteem that we know that the, the five sensory world will only get us so far. When we live from that sixth sensory world and still obviously being grounded and being aware of our, our earth life, when we can really have that as our driving force, we always, always, always end up in the best place. But the place to have access for that is through meditation. Absolutely. Most listeners to this show will be regular meditators or part-time meditators, but you had very good points that it's a clearing, and I want to clarify that. Is that what you mean by that as stopping the mind chatter? Yes. Yes. Because we so often unknowingly carry around debris and junk, not just from our own mind chatter, but from other people. And sometimes because, you know, we're, we're energetic beings, you know, we, we feel the collective, whether we're consciously aware of it or not, when we can really just be still and allow ourselves to be a conduit of this divine energy that is available to us, everything else is cleared away. Everything. So when we run into people, us as any listeners who are light workers or counselors in this sense, when we run into people who say, oh, I, I can't meditate, my mind is always going, I'm from the East Coast, I can't meditate. Right, right, right. That's yeah. exactly it's, the point. It's like, okay, well then I want you to do something for me. I want you to not shower for the next week or brush your teeth and see how you feel. Because that's a really easy way to tune into what your energy system feels like when you're not regularly meditating. Good tips. So now don't you had near me if you do that though, because I don't like stinky, stinky creatures. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You can email me about it. Now you had mentioned clearing the debris, and it's this mind chatter and other people's energy, and then our thought forms that just go and continue with that. Then it's this debris that is keeping us from reaching our dreams. You know, again, one of the best ways is meditation is key because it really allows us to be conscious. And I'm a big fan of journaling. I think journaling really can tune us in because, you know, in, I've studied Eastern philosophy, philosophy extensively. I'm, I'm certified in Ayurveda, yoga, and meditation. So it's something that I have studied for a very, very long time. And the one thing that the Eastern philosophy talks about, and it's where even the term mindfulness comes from, is, you know, we have the mind, which we we in the West see as our brain, okay, and that's fine. So we have that, but then there's the greater mind, and that's really where all of our divine circuitry is. That's where the, the universal energy and information is ushered into our spirit so that it can then come down into our whole being. Now, when we have so much mind chatter, we are literally creating a, a, a barrier. So, you know, it's almost like I... I look at the chakra system when I watch this happen because, you know, things come in through the crown as an inspiration, and then these ideas come in from the higher mind, which is around the third eye, and then you start 
coming down, coming down, feels good in the heart. It, you know, I can communicate about it. That's in the throat. And, and then you start getting down to the self-esteem in the belly. And then you start getting down into, like, the personal power. And then you start to think, like, wow, can I make money from this? Is this going to take me away from this? And that's where the lower stuff is. And that's where most things become aborted. So it is learning through meditation, journaling, breathing, how to connect with that higher mind and giving that more airtime in your life. And, and yeah, I, I have a, a fantastic example. There's a woman who came to see me a few years ago. Um, and I will say this. I do work with people like on a half-hour basis or a 60-minute basis because a lot of people will come uh, and get so much information that they can go with that they, they come back to me just every few months. And then I have the people who really stick with me because they're in a spot in their life and they just they need a little bit more hand-holding and they need a little bit more time. And so this woman was, was one of those. She had um, chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, which she had had for a long time, and it was really at its worst. She was divorced. She had two very small children that she was struggling to take care of because she literally couldn't get out of bed. Everything hurt. And she was looking at having to give her children to her ex-husband, which she really didn't want to do because he just he was better as the part-time dad. I mean, he was a good guy, but he was, he was definitely better as a part-time father, not the most responsible person. So she had a lot of stuff that was really obviously upsetting for her, and she couldn't work because she couldn't get out of bed. And so after trying therapy and medications and doing all this stuff, she ended up with me as sort of that last resort. I was, I was that for her. And within six months, she had a part-time business of her own, was helping out with the Girl Scout troop for her daughters, and was able to be a part of her daughter's life. Now, that is because she was so ripe and ready to start meditating, to start doing yoga, to start journaling, and to start hearing some of the things that I had to say, because what I was seeing her fibromyalgia was about was about some really very traumatic things that happened to her as a child. And so we sort of needed to dismantle that energy and dismantle some of the beliefs that she had created about the world and about who she was because of these instances. So after dismantling and putting back together, she was a completely different person. And that was in six months. That is true help with people instead of traditional psychologists that will keep yes. someone on for years. Of that course. Is powerful. You know, even Bruce Lipton says, and also Candice Pert talks about emotions creating illness. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So, yeah, and then because it begins with those, you found it right there that you just dismantle that energy that we give it. That energy becomes yes. thought forms yes. and then becomes beliefs and then becomes actions. And, so, and complete attachment to if, – if, if you unconsciously or consciously completely and fully identify yourself based off of the past or anything else, particularly if there's trauma involved – you are definitely setting yourself up for illness, honestly. And I don't say that in a threatening way. It's just to highlight the importance of consciousness and, and how consciousness is what heals because healing does not take place in the mind. It takes place at the level of the soul. And so to have that relationship with your soul, 
that is where real healing takes place. And I don't care what the ailment is, um, 99% of the time, unless, unless it really is your soul contract that you have decided to leave this world because of something. I mean, that's sort of a different thing. But a lot of illnesses are not that way. And you had mentioned soul fragments. Yes, we all have them. Um, and what what I see them as is, you know, I say, okay, I was born in a hospital in Baltimore City in 1977, and there were some great things that happened there. And then when I got home, of, you know, a few years down the road, there were some not-so-great things that happened in my life, and we lose parts of pieces of ourselves. And so I left some of my pieces of myself that are still very alive and very awake in those events. So until we have really cleared them, cleaned them, and called them back into us, they're still giving us information from that time and space. Because if, I mean, if we start talking about, you know, quantum physics, which with my Ayurvedic background, I, 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 I think about it often, there really is no such thing as time, which means everything happens now. I mean, even Albert Einstein said all, all things happen in the now. All things come to the now. So that means, you know, your successes that you see as being in the future, they're all now. Everything that you see as being part of your past, they're all now. So unless you can be here now completely and wholly and clear anything, any fears about the future, any traumas in the past, then you're, you're sending your circuitry out other places, and it's really hard to bring it back to the here and now. It just creates toxicity. What's the process then to remember? You know, you can come to someone like me who can just bing, 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 locate those things or follow the threads, as I call it, because um, I'll get information. And, and sometimes I ask, like, I'll get information. I'll say, can you tell me about this? Because they need to walk back into it. It's not always because I don't get it because they need to walk back into it. Mm -hmm. But the way you find it is through journaling, through meditation, through having that conscious contact with your whole self because everything that you need to know for your healing will come to you. And that's what I love so much about my seven layers process is that people don't come to me for healing. I teach people how to heal themselves. Mm -hmm. I teach people because we are our own healer. Now, sometimes we all need guidance. We need someone to show us the way. Sometimes it's the love of another person that heals us because it opens the door for us to see ourselves differently. So it still ultimately comes back to us. You had mentioned earlier this universal information from the greater mind. The mm. information comes into the crown down into the third eye, down into the heart, down into the self-esteem areas, personal power centers, and then all of a sudden, also maybe that logical mind, let's take this yep. for an example, can I make money from this? Yes. And so I know a lot of people are going through this, so it's very timely because when we're out creating and living our passion, we still need to all put a roof over our heads. So how would you work with something like that to move that person forward? Mm -hmm. It's a fantastic question because, of course, we all have an earthly existence that we have to maintain. It would be irresponsible not to take care of those things. There's absolutely no question about it. However, when we enslave ourselves to a paycheck 
and we don't see a way out, that's when we start to get into trouble. There are so many ways to bring in an insight and, and bring in an insight and say, "Okay, so I hear you. Now, what can I do with this? Show me what I need to do with this." It's about asking, because when we ask. We receive, and sometimes all you need is that information. Now, let me tell you a, a, a little bit more about my history in, in starting what I'm doing, what I've been doing now here for five years. I didn't start off here. I mean, I started off. Let me see. I sobered up at 20, so I mean, I'm still I'm young, but this is I'm almost 34. So I sobered up at 20. I dropped out of college due to all of the upheaval that I had, you know, gone through and put myself through, and. Um, I ended up going to school to be a makeup artist and a skincare specialist because I'm very artistic. I loved the, the art of makeup, but I thought, well, I should probably know a little bit more about skin and all of that, and, you know, I could probably make more money that way. So I was doing that, and, you know, I, there was always a part of me that knew there was so much more to me, and this sort of surface-level existence that I had created was not fulfilling me. And so I started doing volunteer work as I had done a lot of my life to just fill that void of feeling like I really needed to be in the world and of service. And so I was doing a lot of volunteer work, was at an AIDS hospice and all kinds of really incredible places. And I, I guess I was about 27. So here I am, 27, with a two-year-old daughter and divorced not a lot of financial support from her father. He he doesn't give a lot financially. He gives a lot in, you know, emotion and time and attention for her. So I knew I am the breadwinner here. Um, and I said, well, I'm not feeling this. Let me put my own makeup studio together because that's what I love. And if I can create something my own, maybe it won't feel so empty. So I took out a business loan, reluctantly. I took out a business loan for, you know, being a woman that, that honestly it helped. So I get my loan. I had created a skincare and makeup line from scratch, all organic. I was making a lot of it in my very own living room. Now, again, I'm a single mom, um, taking out a business loan. I'm spending all this money, putting all this together. I sign a lease on a space. Everything's going well, going well, going well. And then I sign a lease on a space, and it falls through for the most ridiculous reason known to man. And so I thought, okay, wait a minute. I have to stop. I really have to stop. What does that mean? Tell me, tell me what, what I'm supposed to do. Because obviously there's a message here. Can you please help me understand what that message is? So within a week or two, I was at a networking meeting, um, sort of freaked out, but still like, okay, I'm open, ready to, you know, plug this studio that I'm about to open somewhere. And this woman stands up. She had like 10 minutes that night to do a little, you know, speaking. And she was a life coach, and she was asking some very powerful questions. And I realized at that minute, I call it I was hit by the cosmic clue by four, because I had really been running from my soul for so long for fear of really stepping into my greatness. And I sat there and I knew in a nanosecond that what I was supposed to be doing was the work that I'm doing now. And what's funny is there was this logo that I kept wanting on my skincare products that the graphic designer just couldn't seem to get. And I'm like, but it's so simple. I don't understand why she doesn't see it because I could see it so clearly. So I go home 
after this networking meeting, I'm crying. Honestly, I know that my boy, my longtime boyfriend at the time, I was actually engaged to him, was not going to be supportive of this because I had been a lifelong intuitive. He was not entirely comfortable with it, but he was part of how I hid from myself, and I had to let him know that I was taking the leap. He was not happy, and he did end up leaving me. Um, but I knew that I had to answer to my soul, and from there, everything opened up. There was a glitch on the computer two days later, and what popped up was an Ayurvedic course, and the logo for the course was the logo I'd been seeing all along that I thought belonged on my cosmetic bottles. <laughs> so I knew. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm supposed to, okay. And so here I still had money left for my business loan, and I even thought, my God, should I just start paying it back with what I have now that I don't know what I'm doing? And I thought, no, I'm going to get an education with this. So that's when I just, I took a year and I immersed myself in Ayurveda, yoga, meditation, learning everything I could and learning how to put it together. And I did go to life coaching school as well. But I was, I really wanted to put it all together knowing how clairvoyant and intuitive I was, but really wanting something solid to, that I could give to people and not just feel like I was reading them. Like I really wanted to affect a massive change for them. And so you know, if I had thought from the beginning, and I did. I mean, here I was, a single mom starting off a business. I mean, that was scary. And there were so many times where I was like, oh, my gosh, have I lost my mind? And then the answer was yes, but good. <laughs> you, because you keep listening, and we got this. Just keep paying attention to the signs. You know, I always say to people, you know, our intuition and our bodies are fluent in the language of spirit. It's just that when we meditate, we get to listen. And when we listen, that doesn't mean that we're going to run off and quit the job that we have and, you know, let all that security just go away. But we are going to start to understand that we're most secure when we're listening to that higher mind and paying attention to the signs that are readily available to us. That's the difference. It's where we put our power. Very well said, and it, again, comes back to that meditation to yes. tap into the higher mind because paying attention to the signs is listening. I was going to ask you, how do you look for miracles, but you just described it. That is the miracle. That's right. That, that is the miracle, is being able to settle yourself enough where you understand what your orders are and then having the courage to act on them. But when I'm feeling a lack of courage, I just ask for it, and I always get it. Always. I say, I need courage for this. I'm scared out of my mind. My higher self knows this is right on. My human self wants to pull the covers over my head. Can you please help me with this? And then always it happens. Always. That reminds me that we are not humans having a spiritual experience. We are Spirit having a human experience. Exactly. So asking. Well, I want to ask you about a new project that you're working on. Your fiancé yeah. is very renowned in his relationship as the brother of Elvis Presley, the stepbrother. Yes. Now, what's your project that you're working on with him? Can you speak about that? Oh, sure. I'd love to. Um so, yes, his, uh, my fiancé's name is David E. Stanley, and his project is called Conversations with the King, Journals of a Young Apprentice, and the co-author is Dr. David Gruder, who happens to be an integrity specialist. 
And I, I've just I've been sort of a contributor in the background. Um, I mean, there's a lot of mentioning of me in the book, but I've I, I'm in the background um, and helped David sort of um, step into it. It was it was some stuff that we went through in our relationship and worked on and talked about and. Um, it, it, it all sort of gave him the courage to just really come out of his own closet and, you know, step into his authenticity. And what this book is about is it actually reveals the mystical healer that was Elvis Presley. Very few people know, and David, because David was one of his closest confidants, um, was around Elvis all the time. He grew up in Graceland with him. And Elvis always treated David like he was his young apprentice taking him to some very spiritual places, giving him an Ankh necklace to initiate him into this relationship. And uh, what David saw Elvis do was, like, place his hands on broken bones and they'd heal immediately. Um, really? Yeah. He w- I mean, he was high level. And what this book goes on to talk about are, are the lessons that David put into place have the ones that he learned from watching Elvis and what that means for all of us because what this book really reveals to everyone is how Elvis is the archetypal pad of, um, sorry archetypal um, sort of poster child for the modern day mystic we're like the mystics without monasteries there was a time where mystics could go into a into a quiet place where you know they would pray and be aware and awake and now we are, you know, like me, a single mom for a long time, le- learning how to have my mystical self be in the forefront of this very human world. And Elvis is just the archetype of this new 20th, 20th century mystic. And there are so many of us like that. That's why he's an archetype. And so it talks about the journey that we all have as modern-day mystics in learning how to deal with the earthly world while maintaining and not only that, expanding our mystical self and how um, to create a global consciousness, how necessary this is. And the one thing that I pointed out that I find so incredibly poetic is that, um, you know, this book is coming out just in time for 2012, which is a huge topic for a lot of people. And who better to bring a message of consciousness in 2012 than Elvis Presley and the person he literally, like, handed the torch to, which is his stepbrother, David. And so you said create global consciousness. Let me ask you, we know that the end of the Mayan calendar is October 28, 2011, and that ends with what we're going through now is the ninth wave of unity consciousness. So in the next world as we change, there it is, global consciousness. We are all one. It's the same message that we hear from from the Buddhists and yes. the Hindus and the mystics. Yes. So it's going to be a very exciting time. Will you tell us the name of your website and sure. David's website? I'd be happy to. My brand new website, and it's livewiththelightson.com, and when you sign up for my newsletter, you get a free download uh, meditation. There are for purchase meditations as well, but you do get a free 15-minute meditation from me when you sign up for that. My book will also be available. And then David's is conversationswiththeking.com, and he has an incredible contest going on right now. The, um, 
the, if Elvis Presley was still alive, what conversation would you have with him? And write about it and send in an entry, and you actually win an opportunity to come out to San Diego for the weekend and have dinner with David and I think Dr. Gruder and sort of talk to them about mysticism and Elvis, and, and obviously you get a copy of the book signed and everything. So that contest is really cool, too. Well, you know what's interesting, too, when I pointed out this whole connection between 2012 and Elvis being the messenger and how incredibly cool that is because millions of people still visit Graceland every year. I mean, he's just as popular today. And what David told me, because I honestly had never been an Elvis fan, didn't really know anything about him. He said, well, yeah, and what's, what actually validates that is that the last year of his life, he wore the Mayan calendar around his neck, and the outfit that he wore for his final performances was called the Aztec. I know what I would ask him. I would ask him about the shift. We're hearing so much talk right now about going yes. through the eye of the needle, and yes. the first wave of ascenders, the veils yes. will be very thin between October 28th and November 11th. What does that mean to you? That the veil will be thin? Is that what you said? Yes. Oh, gosh. That means to me that uh, – talk about meditation. Meditate, 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 because that means we're all going to be more susceptible to reaching that higher dimension that's sort of lowering itself for us so that we can latch on and go with it. So more important, definitely, the meditation. And I want to sum up how you talk today about how people can – Step into their greatness. You've done it with your life. Your fiancé has done it. You've helped him. You've helped so many people. And so you told us how to listen to that universal info, that we bring it into the crown in our heart. And very important, meditation, journaling, breathing to connect with your higher mind, and asking instead of listening to your mind or your yes. ego. And trusting, yes. The trust is very key as well. Staying calm. Yes. And asking. So watch the signs, and it's as simple as that. Yes, it is. Do you have any last words to share with listeners today? I think the most important message is to trust yourself. I feel like so many people shy away from trusting ourselves because... We've learned to rely so much on the fifth sensory world or there are so many things we've maybe done in the past that we feel like we should have done better. That terrible word, should. Um, but, you know, I'm a firm believer that most people do the best they can do when they're doing it. And when we can come from a place where, okay, so I'm more conscious about this and I'm going to do this next thing with just total awareness in action. And I can trust that now. I can trust myself now. Don't avoid trusting yourself because you feel like you have failed at something in the past. That is all the lower self trying to prevent you from stepping into your greatness. You have to meditate and journal, at least meditate, to be aware of it so that you can start to discern which voice is talking to you, whether it's through feeling, whether, um, you know, it's, we all get the information differently, but I'll tell you one thing. The lower mind is the first thing to take the wind out of our sails. If you're starting to feel depleted of energy, not good about yourself, not inspired, you know that you're getting hooked somewhere, somewhere. Now, if you feel light, 
If you feel alive, if you feel enthusiastic, then you are listening to the higher self. So feel the vibration, literally. Feel which way your energy is going and discern from that. And at any moment, just choose the higher feeling. Is it that simple? You want to be sure the choosing isn't a decision, so to speak, from the mind, because that's the same mind that forgot to buy the cat litter for the fifth time. You know, I mean, that's where you get into that delicate dance. Yes, you want it to be conscious. What I like to do is I like to remind myself that I am infinite, and I imagine my energy going just above my crown so I can really grasp for myself that I am so much more than this physical body, and that really helps me. So sometimes, yes, Make a decision, but make sure it's from a higher place. And use other tools. If, if making a shift in your body works, if diffusing an incense works, if listening to classical music works, do that. Things that help you feel good that are not based in instant gratification are a very easy way to grab onto that higher energy. You mentioned journaling. Can you describe that process? I am a big believer, obviously, as I've said, in journaling, and I find that most people say, well, I'm not much of a journal. Well, what do I say? I don't know what to say. And, you know, what I say to that is just say whatever. Just get it started. A lot of times just starting to write about your day and spending time starting off there gets it going, and then you can start going into sort of what were your feelings throughout the day. You know, you can always take it a little bit deeper, but if you don't know where to start, Start with what, what your day has been like. Or if you know exactly how you're feeling, go there. Just start writing because something will take over you and there will be a flow. Don't judge it. Don't worry about grammar or neatness. Don't do any of that. In fact, I, you know, as much as I love handwriting, I use my uh, keyboard a lot. I do a lot on my laptop because I'm a fast typer. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how it reads. Just whatever needs to come out, come out. And again, ask. Say, I'm feeling stuck. I feel like there's something in me that needs to come out. Or, you know, I really just need help with this journaling thing. Can you help me? Ask. And then it will flow. And it will flow. Now, when you do your work with clients, do you do it in distance over the telephone? Or do they have to be in front of you? Oh, yeah, good question. I actually, um, they, can, they can be in front of me, but I have to say that my, my practice right now spans uh, through 10 countries, and I even, there's a few soldiers I work on that are in Iraq, and I do a lot of Skype, and I do a lot of phone calls, and it is just as effective. You know, don't let the linear mind trick you into thinking that you actually have to be physically in the same space as someone. Um, I do all kinds of distance work, and Skype phone, just just as effective. Quantum physics confirms what you just said. It's called non-locality, and it's yes. the ability to heal at a distance. Yes. What is your fee for people who want to come see you? For an hour, it's $150. For a half hour, it's 75 And then I do have special rates for people who want some ongoing work. I do have packages. And I do actually work with people. Um, I mean, it's not not everyone, but um, I understand it is difficult times. So, um, so I am sensitive to that as well. I have one more question. Yes. So, when family members pass to and transition, and you work with coma, what are the messages usually for families? Is it one of peace or? Well. 
this, uh, the, the one situation that comes to mind the most is a, it's a very interesting one. Um, she had, this woman who was a friend of mine who was actually my branding coach initially, helping me with my website and all that stuff, called me hysterical one morning saying, my mother is in ICU, something's wrong with her lungs, we have no idea what's going on, she's in a coma, she's been healthy up until this point, I have no idea what's happened. She said, is there anything you can do? So I said, well, yeah, I mean, I'll give it a whirl. This was one of the first time it happened. And having training in quantum physics, I'm like, well, I can't imagine it's any different. I mean, if her spirit's still there, I, I, I can connect really with any spirit, a, a dead or alive. So I went into her energy, and I saw that it was, um, I saw carpeting, and I saw beyond that that she actually needed a break, a rest, and that she had decided to go into this situation so that she could have some time off, basically, from her life. And now I knew, I knew not one thing about this woman. So I called my friend back. And I said, well, I saw carpeting. And she said, well, they just got brand new carpeting, and it happened right after that. And I said, well, what I'm getting is that it's chemicals from the carpeting that put her there. But the, the truth of the matter is that was more sort of a helper because she really just needs some time off. And, and my friend said, but the doctors keep saying she's going to die. He said, she's not going to die. She's just needing a break. I mean, she's, she's really okay. And so about two days later, my friend called me back, and she said, it's looking worse. And so I said, well, let me tune in. And so I, I tuned back in. And by the way, this is my tune. When I say tune in under these circumstances, it was a light meditation, okay? So here's another way that a meditation is a vehicle. So I went to this woman's energy. She said, okay, I came in here because I needed a break. And the family is having some very difficult conversations around me that they don't need to be having around me. And it's keeping me from having my break. And she said, I hear everything they're saying. I don't like what, it was something like her husband and the son, um, you know, my friend's brother, they, they were a little bit at odds. Now, again, my friend has not said any of this. And so she said, if they stop and they can take these conversations out of the room, I will be back out between, she said, 24 to 48 hours is what I kept hearing. So I reported back to my friend. So 24 to 48 hours, I promise you she's not dying that you guys need to move the conversation, told her all that, and she said, Katie, it's the weirdest thing. I was holding her hand, and I mentioned your name, and she actually squeezed my hand. That's the first time she's moved. And I said, because, trust me, I'm telling you, she'll be out in 24 to 48 hours. She came out 36 hours later. Amazing. She was fine, and she was totally fine. So, And, and that's the thing. It's, you know, there is nothing that we think feel, see, or experience that goes unnoticed. Everything is, is reachable. And so while I say that, that can be a loved one in a coma. That can be a deceased relative. I, I easily talk with animals. Um, but when I say that we can do that, that our dreams are no different. The life that we want is no different. They're all within our contact. It's just that we need to open up to them. It's, it's us that needs to discover the barriers that prevent us from opening up to them. Because that's all it is. It's a big, big pile of quantum soup. This is a great day for everyone to just start looking for the miracles, calming the mind, and moving forward. And visit livewiththelightson.com. Thank you so much, Katie Mana Stanley. 
Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you, too, for listening. If you've enjoyed this program, please share it with your friends so we can get this important information out to the world. This program is supported by donations by listeners like you. Your support allows us to bring you fresh information that is empowering, inspiring, and uplifting. It's also information you won't find so commonly in mainstream media. Thank you for your support, and I now leave you with music from the universe. This music was literally created by the universe as mathematical equations were assigned to musical notes. The result is this beautiful music. <laughs>